listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead. With Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm Gigi Saul Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. Ah! Gore is love, baby. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that now has an irrational fear of tea my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're going full on exorcist as we turn our heads around and look back at our horror highlights from the year that was 2017 but before we get into that let me remind you we're part of the phenomenally frightening phantom podcast network phantom and you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your best of hole. And you can also find us online over on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and at Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead for all of our shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And speaking of shenanigans, man, yeah. let's look back. This is that time of the year. This has been a year full of shenanigans. It's full been of good shenanigans, bad shenanigans, all sorts of shenanigans. There's highs, there's lows. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes in. And uh, this is always just that time when we get to be reflective. We mm-hmm. get to look back and, again, really highlight the stuff that stood out. Because, as you mentioned, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. Not only necessarily for us, but even within the horror world as it was. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and, you know, horror kind of took precedence in popular culture again, which is really interesting. Fantastically enough, a uh, horror movie was the highest grossing film of the year and probably the highest grossing horror of all time. So, I, and Again, what a year. Uh, that We're right? going to look back at all that, uh, but we're also not only going to necessarily look at like the new horror, but we're going to talk about you know some of the stuff that we picked up, some of the experiences we mm-hmm. had, basically just shouting out again the good, the bad, and the ugly right. of 2017. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> You know, spaghetti Western style. <laughs> now, let me, and I don't want to go into a tangent a la Nerds and Nostalgia, but if you ever get into the Spaghetti Westerns, I highly recommend the Trinity series mm-hmm. with uh, Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill. They're kind of like the Cannonball Run Really? Spaghetti Westerns. <laughs> Did somebody start slapping them around? Yes. Da, 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 cowboy Chaos. There is sped up scenes that just heighten the sensibilities. Like it's Benny Hill. It's phenomenal. Awesome. Highly recommend it, you guys. Awesome. But before, and what we're going to do here is we're going to bring our top 10 new horror films mm-hmm. of 2017 on each respective uh, list. But before we get into that, we are going to go to, at least I am initially, into some of the newer Blu-rays that came out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, obviously, that we talk about on the podcast a lot are these you know, these boutique Blu-rays that are coming out. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought back in the day we'd have like this 2K restoration of Rawhead Rex? <laughs> For all your priest pissing knees. Exactly. Like, I never knew we existed in that kind of a world, but I'm glad we do exist in it because thanks to Severin, uh, Arrow, a number of really good boutique Blu-ray um, dealers out there, we've got our hands on some yeah. of these films I never thought we would. And some of the films that we just, we get more extras on. And so... This whole year was really, I wanted to cut back on my spending habits for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, just because I, I I can't buy every single thing that comes out. Yeah. There's just too much. 
I don't want to say there's an oversaturation. No, but your wallet can't afford it. I mean, <laughs> and seriously, it, it, you, you can't shell out for everything that you want. Plus, where are you going to put it? I know. Well, you know, that's that's the other problem. That's I know those people say, well, that's what you streamed. Like, no, no, no. I, I need that tangible. You got to have the physical in your hand. And so I didn't go crazy this year, but there were a few that I picked up that I do want to kind of shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, starting off with the Vestron series. We talked about them last year. Uh, I picked up Chopping Mall. Yeah. Which we did. The commentary track we actually did was from that Blu-ray. Um, but we were talking about, I actually went back and listened to some of the the best of 2016. And on it, we were like, we were looking forward to some of the, what Vestron put out. And ultimately... I picked up two releases that they put out this year. Uh-huh. Uh, the first one was the Waxwork double feature. <laughs> so good. Which was phenomenal. Um, and we also did a commentary track for that. Mm-hmm. And the other one was for The Gate. Yes, which we did a commentary for that. And thank you, Vestron. Right. Providing a lot of uh, little aural pleasure, if you will. <laughs> put my Marquis de Sade <laughs> hair back. <laughs> put the little eye patch on right. and a little, little fencing sword and you will have so <laughs> good so good uh we'll talk about uh, our experience with that a little bit later in terms of experiencing it with a crowd right uh but really thought that vestron put out a lot of good stuff but then ultimately of course our friends over at you know scream factory mm-hmm. put out a lot of good stuff as well and in fact one of the ones that was kind of a highlight for me this year was they put out the blu-ray special edition of tales from the hood yeah the shit you want the shit you want to get the shit. And this Blu-ray release was truly the shit. Uh, you got speaking of, yeah. All the the bells and whistles and then a newly uh put together like making of documentary retrospective, which I that's my favorite part with all of these new releases are getting all the people that are surviving, all the people yeah. that created and letting them go, letting them know that yes, an audience does exist for these this film. That was a good one. I do remember watching that with you, and that was like really dope. It was fantastic, and so I'm glad that they got a chance to see people truly appreciating this film. And we'll go more into this one, <laughs> yeah, as well <laughs> later on. Uh, another one that they released was uh, they put out Blu-ray editions of Poltergeist two and three. Really? Yes. I'm telling you, man, that fucking preacher, man. Jeez, nightmare inducing. God is in. Oh. His holy temple, <laughs> earthly born, be silent now. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is a special ah. effect in and of himself. Yeah, he, right? he lives in a fucking sewer with the chuds. He's like, <laughs> he's like the chud pastor. Well, I had to make a decision because I like both of them, and I uh-huh. thought like the Poltergeist sequels are pretty divisive for a lot of people. I like, don't like three at all. I think I'm, three has its charms. Yeah. There's something that keeps me out of high rise buildings, much a la Chud and Gates for you. Uh-huh. High rise buildings in me I have a, an irrational fear of. Well, it's, ill shit happens in them. Well, also, especially if there's a lot of mirrors involved. Because that's the one thing I don't think that gets enough credit are the weird ass special effects they did for that particular film. Yeah. But I ended up going with part two on for the Blu-ray. And part two, like you said, with the preacher Kane. Mm. Also, some of the gooeyest and goriest practical effects. That tequila. You know, okay, so this was maybe about New Year's Eve. 99, 2000, so something like that. We're going back in time. And I found this, uh, like, 50-year-old bottle of mezcal, right? And it had two worms at the bottom, oh. right? And so, like... Tempting fate, man. Tempting fate. Right, right. And so, they're like, oh, do it, do it, do it. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. Then part of me was like, you remember Poltergeist too, right? You remember <laughs> you remember what happened to Coach. Don't be like Coach. And I'm like, fuck it. And so, I did it. I drank both worms, right? 
And I paid for it the next day, but fortunately there was no like no squiddly diddly coming out of the mouth because that would have been bad news. The play is so horrifically ah. when it happens, and, but that's one of those things. It's so good that it does stick in your mind. Yeah, and that's one of the power of horror. They are of tequila. They are. Are you kidding? And when you live in that in the horror genre like we do, that's the connections mm-hmm. you make. Exactly. And, God bless and so, yeah, Poltergeist 2 had a really good Blu-ray, really good behind-the-scenes stuff, and especially focusing on the special effects. So you got some good stuff with Steve Johnson, which is mm-hmm. always in and of itself a treat. Um, and then the other one that came out recently was the um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Punish! That our uh, friend Justin Beam did a lot of the behind-the-scenes work on. Punish! Yeah, yeah, punish! Punish! Which is always a treat to see and hear. Uh, but also just seeing that restoration of that film. And we had a chance to actually host it. <laughs> yes. Which was dirtily fun. It was. It was <laughs> definitely some cognitive dissonance going on with that. But then the last one that screamed. You know what happens, Billy? That scene still kills. Well, it's really funny when we uh, introduce the film. We kind of have, I don't want to say a little spiel that we do, but we kind of no, do. We have a spiel. I mean, yeah. And and we came out and like I was kind of wearing the, the old man's pajamas and I just did comatose and then like. I was like, I'm Greg D, and I'm just kind of look over at you, and you're just kind of just sitting there, and I smack you, and then boom. You know what today is? It's Christmas Eve. If you see Santa, you better run, boy. Run for your life. <laughs> I like to think we give it, you know, maybe not a William Castle-esque, you know, right. fifth dimension. But it's not in feel-o-vision, no, so. Yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> God forbid when we show Rabbit again, or Shivers. <laughs> Don't dream it. Yeah. But the uh, the last one that I picked up from Shout Factory was uh, Teen Wolf. Teen, Teen Wolf. Wolf. Yeah, of all huh. films to get a Blu-ray, and a loving Blu-ray, because not only do you get it on Blu-ray, but they put together like an hour and a half yeah. retrospective, retrospective making of documentary that is phenomenal. Huh. The only thing that's missing is Michael J. Fox, but they got everyone back for right. it. So it's a Francis. treat. Francis. <laughs> Existing in a world where that character, his name is Chubbs. His name is Chubbs. It's so weird. And like, if they're feeling, you know, less casual, they call them Chubbies. It's so bizarre. There's the casual f bombs thrown out in that one. Uh, it's everything you want from an '80s teen werewolf film with Michael J. Fox. I haven't seen Teen Wolf in about 15 years. We it's need to definitely rewatch need it. To rewatch. It's I think, and it it's been even up. longer since part two. So. Oh, that one, <laughs> maybe uh, that might be a good thing. <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can retroact. That's it has its fans. I'm not going to lie. But there's always the, Wolves Bane in the banana stand. Well, Chubbs comes back for that one yeah. as well. <laughs> Going from basketball to boxing, weirdly enough. But the last one that I picked up and the last one I want to highlight is we're a fan of trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if you go to any of the things that we program, we host, we always incorporate vintage trailers. Trailers are half the fun of going to the movies. One way or the other. Yeah. We're, we're recreating those experiences. And so um, uh, Garage House Pictures put out this Blu-ray. It was called uh, Trailer Trauma Volume 3, mm-hmm. and it was just featured nothing but 80s trailers. Yeah, And it's seven and a half hours. It goes from 1980 to 1989. It's seven and a half hours of trailers. Man, that we got about two hours in, and we got like one year. Yeah. (laughs) You had to piecemeal it. But what was cool was, again, being trailer fiends, now having a lot of those trailers on Blu-ray, and a lot of them were rare. Yeah. Uh, The one for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 
was you could tell it was released almost immediately after part three because it shows n- there's no new footage. It's just all footage from the previous three films, and they, they had the title, and that's it. <laughs> but like, Sizzle reel. It, that's what it was. <laughs> but having those, and they ex- we actually got exposed to a number of new films. We're like, how do we not know? And that's the right? fun, yeah. I think, of these trailers. We both look at each other like, have you seen this? No. Have you seen this? No. What Blue is Monkey. This? Right, exactly. It's insane. So that was like our quest. We need to find these movies. And then on top of all the, the, the trailer compilation is then they give you a commentary track behind it. Yeah. Which was fun in of itself. Like Ted Gigan, uh, the guy that brought us uh, We Are Still Here in Mohawk, does the commentary for, I believe it's 1982. And it's wonderful. It's He's having so much fun talking about the films. And there's just that gen. I think what the podcast that I listen to, and hopefully that why people enjoy us are dozens of listeners, but we're genuine about what we yeah, love. Yeah. You know, we don't throw on stuff here for the most part that we dislike. Right. Or we're not going to focus a lot of attention on it. So when people are genuine, That's I, the, mm-hmm. I gravitate towards that. So, yeah, Trailer Trauma Volume 3. And they just put out one. The end of this year was Trailer Trauma Volume 4, and it's nothing but the TV spots. Oh, really? Like those little 30, 45 yeah, second ones you would get? Right. So I, I'm, I kind of want to pick that up. But again, I've, I've got to discipline myself. Uh-huh. Uh, but those are the main ones that I picked. But there were so, you know, the Suspiria 4K restoration finally got released. Yeah. There's so much good stuff hitting the shelves. I got it yet. I, got, I just realized I got a Blu-ray, and it's one that we just watched, The Lure. Mm-hmm. The lure came out on Criterion, Criterion, right? Of all things, and for a brand new movie to hit Criterion, that's pretty good. And so, yeah, it's chock full of goodies. We watched the making of, yeah. which was in depth, which I love. It was what you need. really good. It, it was, was fantastic. Yeah. That's a really good pick. No, that mm-hmm. was one you picked up. Um, was it on Thanksgiving? I it, mean, was it was like a Black Friday sale. Yep. So yeah, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And, th- and that's the thing is, I ultimately I don't f- buy a lot of the the new releases on mm-hmm. Blu-ray because I unless. I see they, they come loaded for the right. most part. Because I know a lot of the times you'll get the bare bones disc. Then yeah. you have to rebuy it. Yeah. And they give you the Evil Dead treatment. <laughs> which is in and of itself awful. Yeah. Um, how many? There's only so many screwhead editions you can have. <laughs> how many moldy, rubbery editions of the Necronomicon <laughs> you know, holding case that I need. Thank you, Anchor Bay. Mm-hmm. Oh, my good Lord. Uh, but, yeah, no, hit us up uh, on Twitter and Facebook, some of your other favorite Blu-rays that we didn't talk about. That Again, that there's just so many out there. It's like television now. There's right? an over, almost an oversaturation where I just can't keep up with everything that I'm supposed to keep up with. Can't get them all. <laughs> no, yeah. It is not that Pokemon Go uh, phenomenon. <laughs> so that being said, let's go ahead and go into the, the gist of what 2017 was, is new horror. Mm-hmm. And having the opportunity to host a lot of films, being involved in the, not necessarily the film community, well, I guess the film community. Yeah, the, the, film the, movie going, the movie going community. The connoisseurs, if you will. Right. We're involved with a lot of that, which is one of the big reasons why I saw a lot of these films, I think, in and of itself. In fact, I can tell you at least three or four that I owe to Alamo, Screenland, our friend Jill, you know, a number yeah. of things like that, that that brought me out. So thank you all. I, that's, that's greatly appreciated. Now, that being said, my top 10 is in no particular order. Okay. Like, I am not ranking it. These are the films that stuck out to me. These are the films that I've revisited, and these are the ones that I'm going to encourage other people to go out and see. That's okay. kind of my main criteria. I don't know. Did you have anything in particular putting yours together? Um, I definitely have a top one, top two, okay, okay, and even top three, but the rest are kind of interchangeable. 
And now if we if we pick so if like your first one is on my list, I will make mention of it. So we'll go ahead and then cross those off at yeah. the same time. So that being said, start us off, man. Okay. Um I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with my top one. My favorite my favorite I'm just gonna go right out the gate with it. Um Victor Crowley. Oh yeah. That was your number one? That was my favorite horror movie that I've seen this year. And we'll talk about it later. It's on my honorable mention, but it's going to come up in another separate category. And so that's for me. why I wanted to go ahead and we'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay, no, but it's a bold choice. But it's, it's, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. This is, as soon as I finished watching it, I wanted to watch it again. I wanted to go right back to the theater, buy another ticket, and see it all over again. Just so I could see it. I mean, like, right after. So the, And we won't spoil anything. We're not going to talk about it. Because right. it's not really getting officially released until February. Right. But I'll say this. My biggest concern initially was the justification of the film. Mm-hmm. Which, obviously, if you listen to anything regarding Adam Green, you know the Romero connection in terms of where the film came from. But also, for me, is like, how did they then bring... Victor Crowley back mm-hmm. and everything plays it so well it yeah worked. It's... it worked it made sense it flowed well there was some really good pathos and really good and great kills and surprise it was surprisingly bittersweet um and then that stinger the stinger let me tell you something MCU has nothing on Adam Green and that hatchet universe so there so good no, I'm trying to keep working yeah. as spoiler free as possible, but I was like, yes! If you have the means, see this in a theater. Definitely with the or crowd. Or at least, if you're seeing it at home, get get your, a bunch of people with, and have a Crowley crazies, yeah, man. There we go. Yeah. I, I agree. So. That's, that's, that's not on my top ten, but it's on my honorable mention. Mm-hmm. But it also is coming up in a separate category. Right. So, so that's why I just want to get it Perfect out there. Perfect pick, man. Perfect pick. So um, first one I'm going to start off with is one that I'm a, I think both of us are fans of the, the slow burn. Uh-huh. Um, especially the art and the craft of a slow burn. Because I think ultimately with a slow burn, there has to be heat. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it's just boring. Right. You know, it's not a slow burn. Exactly. Uh, this one, some people argue it's not, but uh, we saw it for Film Club. It's Oz Perkins, The Black Coat's Daughter. That's on my list. Okay, so that's, that's on your list on as well. My okay, list. there we go. That's on my list. Now, so... That is such a good movie. That one stuck with me for quite a long while afterwards. It was one of those, again, more of a slow burn film, but just in terms of the themes that were explored. Yeah. And also, shit, that's one I think we could ultimately have put on our films that are good to watch in December. It's you think, a cold movie. It is a very chilly. I mean, you, it, it felt, the temperature in the room in the theater dropped 10 degrees. It re, I, I remember that. Yeah. There was, there's something about that film, the way it's shot. Yeah. All the themes that are present. Like, my, the thing that really stuck with me is the idea of abandonment. Yeah. Especially when you are invested in something and you don't get that payoff. Mm-hmm. And I. Julia Roberts or um, Emma, Emma Roberts kills it in this, in this movie. And just for what you said, it's like, Ah, you 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 don't want to feel as bad as you do for these these people. There are a number of films on my list where the the antagonists, the people that are literally evil in the film, the ones that are doing the bad things, you actually have some care for. Yeah, which to me is the reason why these films are the ones that stuck out for me. Um, also, the score is phenomenal. It's very it's very atmospheric, yes, menacing. And, and I don't want to. I don't think this is a spoiler, but we're obviously going to talk about some spoilers on these right. films, especially if they've been released. But uh, clo- close clo- close your cloven ears potentially. But this is also a film t- about Satan. 
mm-hmm. yeah. which we got quite a few of those as well this year, which I was kind of happy to see as a kid that grew up in the satanic panic of the, the 80s. Dark Lord Returns. No, but Oz Perkins, the Black Coat's daughter. Super good. I loved it. It's, again, seek it out. This is one I don't think that you could probably see by yourself with yeah, this one. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to see with a it's crowd. It's not a crowd pleaser. Right? It's <laughs> it's, it, it's a crowd teaser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As you say, you go in expecting a boner jam, and you ultimately end you up with a bummer b- jam. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This one, don't go expect thrills. Straight up evil. Like You'll be cur- curled up, huddled up in the corner, no. just going, oh my God, why have you abandoned me? This is a slow burn. It is. So yeah, that's one of my, that's the first on my top ten. Okay, um, so this one is one we also showed at film club. Um, it was it was funny. It was a great take on the slasher genre. It was uh, heartfelt, funny, and it was great. I love the performances, and we're talking about the tragedy girl. Hashtag on my list too. Hashtag hashtag slasher. It was that movie. Was original in. There's been other like plays on things. We're not going to go too much into spoilers in this one because this is one that you can see with the crowd and by yourself because it is a very funny movie. The kills work really well and the cameos by uh, Craig Robinson and my boy Kevin Durant. I'm telling you, he's fantastic in everything he does. There's, That's not a cameo. He's got a part in yeah, it. But, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the writing is witty. Uh, the and Megasonic Teenage Warhead. Just is does fantastic. I, that's the only thing I can think of her name of. But Brianna Hildebrand. Yeah, she's so her eyes are so expressive. She don't have to say shit, and you know exactly what she's thinking. So this is the one of those films I was talking about, where again our antagonists, the people that are evil. Yeah, these are horrible people. Are the people were with uh, Brianna? It's Brianna Hildebrand as Sadie, and then Alexandra Ship as Michaela, and they. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. At the end, I know I should be rooting against them, but God help me. I want to continue on with yeah, the journey see where with they them. go. Tragedy girls go to college. To tragedy women. Right? <laughs> I want to experience that journey. I had so much fun. And this is if I had a top five, I think this one might be in my top five. Yeah. I had fun with the audience. Mm-hmm. I had fun. This is, again, like you said, I think this is one that you could have fun just running it on VOD. And you, it plays so well as a comedy because it just fucks with the teen movie tropes so deliciously. And the kills are also pretty damn mean. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they glory, are. They stick, so to speak. Uh-huh. Also, there's the social satire of the cruel and unusual world that is social media. Mm-hmm. It's Ingrid Goes West means Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> with a little scream in there yeah. as well. No, I had so much fun with that one. That one was uh, written and directed by Tyler McIntyre. Um, and again, a strong voice. Now, I will say this. A lot of the picks in here, some of them kind of a, give a callback to the 80s. But this one, I think, ultimately is more of a callback kind of the 90s. 90s. This is a 90s movie. It definitely, because of the Scream connection. You hit it on the nail on the head. Uh, it's meta. It's its own meta self. and But it plays funny. Yeah, like, when you saw Scream for the first time, you're like, this... It's 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 old school meta done in a new way, and so that's kind of how it's done in this, and it works really well. And at no point was I feeling like get off of my yard, right. you damn youngsters, with your social media and your hashtags by any means. But I saw what they were doing, and plays, it made yeah, no, go on, go on. Oh no, 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 no. yeah, like no, yeah, with the with the hashtags and stuff, it plays well into their own slasher mythos, mm-hmm. you know, because they have their own set of rules that they go by and it's it, also if you're a fan of halloween 
There is a scene in here that I I kept laughing a la genius had he scared a little kid. And it was one of those it just it, it, the more I scared I thought, him six times. <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more it kept make me laugh. But it's just think of the aftermath after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ruin it, but oh my it's, god, it's, it's it, it. It got belly laughs out did. of the. I'll never look at the shape the same way again after that one. No, that one <laughs> also <laughs> on my list. Tragedy Girls, seek it out. Yep. It is so freaking good. Yep. Last words on Tragedy Girls. See it. Hashtag see it. Hashtag see it. Okay, so another one on my list here. And I don't think this one, this is going to be, a, I'm going to cheat on this one. I'm going to get three done in one swoop, okay? Okay. Okay. And the reason I'm doing this is we kind of devoted an entire episode to our experience of these films. But if we're doing a best of, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're talking about, you know, just experiences and movies and, you know, the ones I seek out again, this is my little Panic Fest triple feature. Okay. Uh, and I'm knocking three out here. I am talking about The Girl with All the Gifts. On mine. Train to Busan. Mm-mm. And The Void. Honorable mention. Okay. And I'm th- throwing them all in one because we devoted an entire episode to Those our reactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, in terms of the, the theater experience, man, Train to Busan, being in a theater, hearing other people sob, <laughs> hearing other people react to this zombie film in a way I never thought I would before mm-hmm. was just sensational. Yeah. I mean, all of us were like... I mean, even even in even in Train to Busan, but even in The Girl with All the Gifts, oh, yeah. that was a heart-wrenching one, too. I, was there something about seeing... Sad zombies? Yes. What's with the sad zombie movies? <laughs> Can we go back to Shaun of the Dead where they we made me a... only, only kind of feel a little bad? Not we... like, oh. We need a goblin version of Christmas time just <laughs> yeah. to really enhance the sadness there. <laughs> no, yeah, Girl with All the Gifts combined like Day of the Dead mm-hmm. with... Now, what was the game that you mentioned it was similar Last to? Last of Us. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not familiar with it and Again, I doesn't take it away from it. Just no. it's a good friggin' film. Oh yeah, the void being just—that's one of those true callbacks to the eighties. Yeah, yeah, that's an ooey gooey movie too. That's got some mean kills too. And my, the biggest complaint I hear with people that one is it doesn't make a lot of sense, which I get. Yeah, I it's it's I dare I say it's a VX effects like showcase. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to make sense. It's one of those movies. It's just kind of like. Look at this cool shit. You do you know? like John Carpenter? Right. So do we. Here's all the greatest <laughs> Check hits. Check it out. <laughs> and I, I like that. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, no, that's... exactly. It, it, it Sometimes you want peanut butter and jelly, you know? And that's what I love with the Panic Film Fest. In fact, you guys, that is coming up here January 26th to the 28th. Mm-hmm. Forging Create Your Own Memories. Uh, wolf Cop It, maybe, if you're lucky. <laughs> Sob in front of a bunch of strangers. But you're guaranteed to get awesome genre films, the short film showcase, and hey... We're going to be doing a live podcast yeah, there. Yeah, there might be a couple of people that you recognize their voices there. So. Also, we're bringing in another bigger podcast, so that's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun. So yeah. make sure you're checking that out. It's going to be good. Uh, but yeah, that's I, those are three on my list there that ultimately I knew a few would be on, but I wanted to just do an one failed stroke, if you will. Okay. I will one fail stroke two of them because they're both on the same streaming service. Inter- oh, now, would that be um, our friends over at... Uh, Netflix. Oh, yes, okay. This is a little bit of Netflix. I was going to say, Shudder! Uh, not quite. I mean, there's a lot on Shudder, but this is some two Netflix original content movies ah. that came out this year that I thought were worth uh, mentioning. Um, one I know for a fact you don't have on your list. <laughs> <laughs> and one that you might, but I don't know. So let's get the one that you don't that you don't have on your list out of the way, and I'm talking The Babysitter. Mm. 
I had so much fun sitting and watching this movie at home, just cracking my ass up and like loving the gory kills. It's funny and Samara Weaving is a treat. Let's just get it out there. She's she can act, she's beautiful, she's funny, and she's got a great sense of violence. And so I'm telling like I said off mic, if they ever decide to do another Harley Quinn she gets my vote on who should be an on-screen Harley Quinn. She's one of those people in the genre now, I'm going to go see whatever she's in. Yeah. Because I think she not only does she elevate the films, but she just has a presence about her. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't dig on the baby. I need to probably watch it with some friends. I watched it by myself. Probably, and that's a film I think that you need to see with a bigger group of people because I think that style of humor is more infectious. Yeah, uh, and you. So I, I, I'm not dismissing it. I'm not no, saying no, no, it's no, horrible. No, 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 right, right, right. It wasn't even on my honorable mention, but. The film that I think that you're going to list is on my honorable mention. Yes. What's the other one that you have on there? Well, let's take a glove off and let's take oh the, god, let's take the glove off and let's talk about let's talk about a little game of pugilistics, a little Gerald's game. Whew. This movie, not only Carla Gugino, I, I can't Gugino. never, yeah, not only does she fucking kill it in this movie, she this is a fucking acting class on this and one. that's a tough thing to do just yeah. kind of a bottled movie yeah that way, one location that way just carry it all by yourself with well with a dog and a, and a guy but you know <laughs> and a pair of handcuffs and a pair of handcuffs and some glass oh Ooh, jesus christ that that i would have loved to experience that moment in the theater because even by myself, which I saw this one by uh, myself, I wish I probably so worked bad. off so many calories just wiggling and just going, yeah. oh! Yeah. It was the most wince-inducing, probably, moment of 2017. I was like, oh, my arthritis is kicking up. <laughs> but as you said, she is so good in this yeah. film and cements it and makes it elevates it more than what I think it could be, potentially. Because I think this one had the most... I think potential of going off the rails. Yeah, it could turn. But Flanagan killed it. Yeah, Flanagan did great. I know you're not the biggest fan of Hush. I'm not not the biggest fan of Hush. However, he redeemed himself in my eyes with this movie. I think he played it. He he made the suspense where it needed to be. Yeah. He let the atmosphere carry where it needed to carry, and that's not the easiest thing to do, especially in horror, because potential to fuck it up. Is You're balancing so many different things. And like you said, especially in that one room, anybody can make a scary barn, you know? But to make a scary B&B room, you know, that was something very, once again, wince-inducing. So, and Netflix really upping their game in terms of original con- original horror especially content. Especially horror content, yeah. There's something to be said for that. Like we said, you know, 2017 necessarily wasn't the year of horror, but man... You really started creeping in all mm-hmm. the places that it normally didn't. Now, I haven't seen that other one, the other Stephen King on Netflix, the 1922. Still have it myself. I haven't seen that one, so who knows? It might be great. But so far, Netflix is doing great. Okay, well, to transition uh, in, in keeping with Samara Weaving, uh, <laughs> my next pick is one that may not necessarily qualify as a horror film, not straight horror at least. But it has enough horror elements. It's got enough kills. It's the, a viral viral infection. The filmmaker It'll... has a lot of horror in his pedigree, but I am talking Joe Lynch's Mayhem. That's a fun fucking movie, man. That it's, movie is fun on a bun. I was lucky enough to see that in the on the big screen at Screenland Tapcade, so thank you, gang, for that one. Because that's a film I think that needs to be seen as big as a screen as possible and with a crowd. 
there's so much. I don't know how I how you could. Uh, there's so much shit going on in that. If I saw it on the big screen, I'd be like, God damn! It was I, overwhelming. Yeah. yeah, it would be awesome as shit. Well, that's when we watched over here. I was looking for specific things. In fact, I'm still looking for you, Wicket. I will find you. And apparently, <laughs> Wicket shows up twice. Is. Yeah, shows up twice in that one. But no, Samara Weaving in this film. Every scene that she is in, even if she's not speaking, mm-hmm. I'm watching her, her reaction to things, her physicality, like you mentioned, her delivery when she's like, these shoes are comfy as fuck. Yeah. No, she, she, she's going to, she elevated the film. Yeah. I love the film. I, again, I'm a, I'm a not, I'm not a Lynch apologist, but I'm a fanboy. You know, I'm always going to seek it out. Right. But this is one of those that I'm just like, good. This is added to the, in fact, when I picked up the Blu-ray, clerk at the vintage stock was looking he's like i'm not sure i don't know this one i was like oh and i kind of explained it and i was like check out everly yeah and i told him and i was like oh, just yeah. wait till you get the sadist and the masochist and he's looking at me and i was like enjoy uh-huh so <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna get put on a list now and i go back they're like that's him In- enjoy you know, your sadomasochism yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden i can't rent there you know or just buy things there anymore a but fucking no sigh. <laughs> i had fun with yeah. mayhem uh it was a very personal film for lynch but honestly if you've been caught up in the nine to five drudgery you know if you have if you're yearning for things that are more go go to it this this and victor crowley are those two yeah. personally honest brutally this, honest films and it's great even if you don't work in the corporate world but you want to f- how see how it is to fuck shit up then yeah go for it because this is a, this movie fucks a lot of shit up dude this is a good that's a great one it's good it's good and cathartic so that's check it out mayhem by joe lynch mm-hmm. okay um my next one it's kind of a cheat cop-out type thing it's, Ooh, is this gonna be is this controversial or is no this... no not at all it's just we talked about it on last year's best of even though we saw an early screening but it's still on that's this okay one. that's no, okay no. I... once again we're f- this is why we can't drink have nice tea because uh ill shit happens i'm talking when you get out that's if, if i had a number one it would be my number one this is a film to me that is true terror, true horror, and is perfectly relevant yeah. not only for 2017. In fact, if you wanted to sum up 2017 with a horror film, this would be it. You could do no worse mm-hmm. than Get Out. I mean, beyond the horror that is the sunken place, the god awfulness of stirring the tea, yeah, and just that awful sound that. The sound design in that film is on the next level. Jordan Peele just really announced his presence in genre filmmaking like exactly. few have in terms of a writing directorial debut. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this film is true. It's scary. Yeah. No, this movie is terrifying. Yeah, I don't think you have to be in the minority to understand. In fact, that the, the fear was so goddamn palpable the first time I saw this in the theater when the cops show up at the end. And if you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. I had so much dread. Yeah. yeah I was ready to say... Fuck, fuck you, Jordan. Fuck this, If you right? do this to me, if you do what I think you're going to do. Yeah. Oh, and if, when you when you can elicit that kind of a visceral response, yeah. that to me, I've been engaged. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm thinking about it afterwards, when it resonates the way it does, <laughs> oh my God, it's 
You're 100% correct. I was thinking to myself, if they do what I think they're going to do, I'm going to burn this fucking place down <laughs> to the ground. Anarchy, you know? Anarchy. I was just ready to go. And then I'm like, oh, thank God. You know? I'm like, oh. You need that level of catharsis there, my God. Because if you don't have it, the way yeah. he's built everything up, and then all the... And I think what elevates his film, number one, is a strong writing directorial uh, vision that he had, but also the, the supporting characters. Mm-hmm. I just think Catherine Kinnear... I've always had a crush on her growing up, but she is so frightening in this yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Just these these waspy, nasty people. Yeah. And this is also another one that really rewards upon rewatching it. Because when you pick up what's going on that first time, you can focus on it the next time. And it just makes it, again, so much more rewarding. Yeah, no, get out for me. Like, like eating Cheerios and the milk separate. Oh, it, and so, oh that's so weird. Yeah. So weird. But again, that yeah. attention to detail... That's beautiful. Yeah. So I and I'm this is basically kind of like with Joe Lynch. I'm following Jordan Peele where he's going at this mm-hmm. point. I don't care what genre he dips his toe in. I'm diving in with him. But to come out of the gate with that, especially when he's known for comedy, I mean, but comedy sh- and horror both are serve bo- exactly the same release. You know, Val. he has to be a student of horror. I mean, that that's. I'm going to shout out a mini a podcast at the end of this episode to give some love, but he's done two episodes of the movie Crypt mm-hmm. with Joe Lynch and Adam Green. And his first one was long before Get Out came out. And he talked about some of his favorite. He was a big on 70s horror, which if you when I we met at our best of last year, we talked about our anticipation of Get Out. Do you remember what you called it? Oh, I did. Uh, I called it something. Um... The Stepford. Whites. The Stepford Whites. That's right. The Stepford Whites. When I, Which, that's right. The, uh, but I, that's remember. I remember that. It's like yeah. I'm and rewatch and watching it now, going, oh my god. That's but he. That's a film that you know he liked. The Stepford Wives. You know he liked Rosemary's Baby. He liked those atmospheric seventies. <laughs> Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. You like you know it's the community yes. that's fucked up. Yeah. Suburbia has another layer that's mm-hmm. scary. No, I thought Get Out again. If I had my top film, if I was ranking it, probably it would be in the top three easily. Yeah. Potentially top one. Great pick. Yeah. Great pick. Okay, so, man, uh, kind of a buildup on that. So I'm going to go – I'm going to get bloody on this next one. Okay. Um, I'm a, I am try to experience as many genres within horror as I can. Obviously, we do a horror podcast, so it really lends itself to exploring other horror genres for content and what have you. Mm-hmm. But there's a few genres out there I'm not the biggest fan of, just in general. Now, again, I'm not saying I hate them, I despise right. them, but it's not my flavor. Yeah. Um, or, and it's appropriate in this case, it's just in terms of the cannibal genre. Mm-hmm. I've never been the biggest student of cannibal films. I, I appreciate what they do. I like the craft and care that can go into those. But you're not going to be like watching Cannibal Holocaust on repeat. No, no. I, that's one of those I do have to be in a mood for. And it's a mood that doesn't hit me very often. Uh, but there was a cannibal film that came out this year that basically combined school shenanigans and a coming of age story. And crafted it in such a cool way that, again, this was one of those, I you it this is a film that rewards you by seeing it in a theater with a crowd, but holy shit, uh, Julia Ducourneau's Raw. I did not get to see that. It's on, it's on Netflix now. Okay. You need to check it out. It is, it'll make you never look at vets the same way again, because it's basically this coming-of-age story set in a vet school, and it's these two sisters... And it's one's one's coming of age, mm-hmm. and then they throw in the cannibal aspect of it. And there are 
You know, it was famously at one of the fests that people passed out during some of the scenes. Really? Yes. Which I can tell, and I it's it's heightened and it's gruesome. But there's a level of intimacy between the sisters. And growing up an only child, I'm not as familiar with that, so mm-hmm. I I don't know if it's authentic. But man, the way they were written, the way they were portrayed was so good and elevated what could be maybe schlocky, but um, Duker knows she's she's one of those filmmakers, again, that I'm going to seek out if she goes, even if she doesn't, if she goes out of genre films, mm-hmm. just in terms of the 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 um, the, the composition, the shit, just all the, the cool filmmaking shit. Yeah. On top of a genuinely freaky cannibalistic story. Huh. And there is a reveal at the end that just makes you go, oh, shit. I was like, that's perfect. Like, just nice. mwah. Just, <laughs> It's uh, it's 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 one of those now. It's another one that may not be straight horror, uh-huh. but it's definitely horror. Might be horror light, mm-hmm. but it's horror. Okay. Like I won't. Well, I, it's a cannibal movie. I mean, it qualifies as horror. I, it's the same way. Like you know, I consider Ravenous a horror movie. Yeah. Now, granted, I wouldn't consider Alive a horror movie, <laughs> but it has horrific elements. <laughs> Kept me away from soccer and planes for quite a while. Yeah, the Andes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keep the mints to yourselves. But no, Raw for me was just that kind of an experience. Um, and again, seeing the theater. I was bunched up and huddled up at a few points that I because it was so uncomfortable and what was ha- I it was a good visceral experience uh, would pair very interestingly with like a three course meal huh. uh, because the the of character like tripe and the central character is a like a hardcore vegan and like what sets everything off is as a hazing ritual at the school they make him eat um, like I think it's like kidney calves or something like that or kidney liver or no calf liver there we go. And it sets forth the transformation. It's 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 really cool. I highly recommend it. Check it out, guys. Raw. Huh. Huh. I'll have to check it out. It's good. It's good. Okay. Um, for my next one, it is one that we saw at Film Club. And on Film Club, after we discuss the movies, we always kind of say, okay, so who liked it? And people raise their hand. Who didn't like it? They raise their hand. Every single time, there's always one or two. I didn't like it. Or I Dissident like it. voices. Right, right, right. There's only been one so far that everybody liked, and that's is this one, The Devil's Candy. I, that's unreal. That That's on my honorable mention. I can't believe that that's the one. That everyone was good with, but it's so good. It's the 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 Ethan Embry, not Ethan Supley. Yeah, <laughs> totally different body transformations there. Right. He did great, but the outstanding performances is the uh, is the young daughter mm-hmm. and um, the main killer. And he's frightening. He's disturbingly scary. Um, there's a lot of things that I like about it. They they phone it in like, yep, that guy's the devil, or like, yep, that person's evil. But it doesn't. It doesn't go where you think it's going to go. And that's what I liked most about it. it. It sets it up for this thing. And then it doesn't necessarily pull the wool over your eyes. But it kind of like switches like, nope. And then it makes it that much better. And it sees your expectations on how everything played out. I think, And it's violent as shit. I think ultimately the fact that it does kind of exceed the expectations. Because all of these films were obviously bringing our own personal baggage in. And this is one that I'd heard was a heavy metal horror film. Mm-hmm. So automatically my curiosity is peaked. And, but it's so much of a, not a slow burn, but it's, it's the dread right. in that movie that I think is just the levels that it reaches. Mm-hmm. And then when it happens, like you said, that moment. Mm, it, it, it's the, the, and the paintings he does are dope as shit. Yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> I was like, God damn, those are cool ass paintings. And I think this is one of those films that ultimately your view would change once you have a kid as well. Absolutely. I think, and you know, honestly, you know, having a cat or dog, it's, no, they're not it, it, children, but right. totally different. But oh my God, just that in and of itself, I think, would be horrific and horrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eating candy and playing guitar. And he is, let's face it, that dude, he is unrecognizable in that film from, um, was it Can't Hardly Wait, I believe? Um, Empire Records. He's just a buff old Hessian metal dude. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see here. Okay, so next on my list here, and again, I'm pretty sure this one's going to be on yours, so I'm going to skip it so we can talk about later. But this uh, this was a biggest surprise of mine, Mm -hmm. was when you get into a franchise that gets into like seven or eight films... By the time you hit that level, man, it's tough yeah. to have energy, to bring anything new to the franchise. But this next one that came out this year, to me, added so much to the franchise okay. that I'm back on board again. I am talking about Cult of Chucky. I still haven't seen the... Because I haven't seen the... the you don't need to see Curse. Okay. You don't need to see Curse, because they kind of give you kind of a... a, a almost Pre- like Friday the 13th. On. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, it's... Um, it's got good practical effects. It's written and directed this directed first time by Don Mancini because he's written all of them, which is why I think that franchise has so much legs because it's got a consistent voice mm-hmm. throughout. But this is his first time directing it. And there are some cool shots in here. But the story itself, what they do with Chucky, I love. Yeah. And they sometimes say, you know, if you add too many villains, it, you know, muddles no, nope, exactly. not in this case. It's it's perfect. Um, they introduce fan favorites. Uh, Fiona Dorif is phenomenal mm-hmm. in these films. Uh, she kind of rem- she reminds me so much of her dad that it's kind of creepy in many ways. Yeah, uh, the awkward boner. Um, <laughs> and in fact, but the way the movie ends, in fact, Chucky, there's he's got some lines in here. And it's not spoiling anything, but there's kind of a bad doctor. And Chucky's at one point going, I don't know whether I should kill this guy or take notes from him. Like, because he's so despicable and shit. But it, it has that sense of humor. It's got some really good kills. And like I said, it really takes the franchise into what I think can be an interesting place. Hmm. This many films in, it had to be on my list. Huh. So good job, Don Mancini. I still got to check it out. I mean, It's well worth your time. Because I do like the Chucky. I do like the Chucky series. But I didn't care much for Seed, but... You know that was seed is the oh, and that's when you get to then curse. They go a different direction again. Good, almost course correction, if you will. Good. Okay, so this one is kind of my last one. I was gonna say we should be on our honor. Well, I got one, one more, one more. So this one's my other one, but it's also um, it comes with a dishonorable mention for the other one because I have issues with this one, but I had such a good time. It's not the perfect movie, but it's really, really a good, fun movie. Wolf Cop 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wolf Cop 2 was a lot of fucking fun. The only problem is it left me wanting more and that to the to it to the point of a detriment. Yeah. That's my only issue with it. But other than that, I had a blast with Wolf Cop 2. Brevity is good in horror. Mm-hmm. And holy, that one runs like 82 minutes, I think. It was it's... super quick. So it's hard to find too much bad to talk about because it was so quick. But I do have a disarmable mention that I wanted to bring up because I hate this movie. And I never talk about it, a lot of it. But everybody, it's on everybody's, everybody's going to be talking about it on their top 10 list and how wonderful this movie is and a game changer and blah, 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 blah. And I'm here to say that's bullshit we talked about earlier how we don't like to talk negative about this and we never do so this one 
it comes at night. No, it fucking doesn't. It does not come at night. That movie is garbage. I didn't mind it. I this is one that holy yeah again seeing an audience I don't think the audience turned as bad as they did with Ravager, <laughs> boo. But ultimately, you could tell that there were some people that were enraged with that. You being one of them, I was furious at this movie. I was so angry. I was ang- I was angry. I was angry at this movie, and I saw this fucker twice in the theater because the first one I was having kind of a bad day, and when I have a bad day, it taints everything. It makes me like rah. Right, so I'm like, okay, I don't see what the hoopla is. This is a bullshit movie, but I'll give it a second chance, you know, because I'm all about second chances. So I went to see it again, and oh, I was hot. I was even more angry because it squandered so much potential that it had. The first, the first ten minutes were the scariest fucking thing. I felt dread. I felt like, holy shit, what's going on? And then after that. Like a big turd. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so, I, I like I said, I've seen it twice. It is, does not deserve to be on anybody's top ten. Is this the issue of too much hype? Yes, absolutely. One, way too much hype. Because it had posters. If you, hear, if you hear a little background noise, we're actually recording over at Genius's house. And this is the one and only Owen this making his Owen. debut. If you can hear it in the background. <laughs> so... He so uh, they had promotional posters, a really dope fucking trailer, and the, this was the one where the best scenes were in the trailer, by far. That was a truly well crafted trailer. Yes, and it was the best part of the movie, and it was the only because they it was the perfect trailer because it was the only good part of the movie. That's the, they just took. It's like when you cut a piece of cake right in the middle of it and pull the square out and be like, eh, and then everybody else is like. Well, what the fuck? What happened to the rest of this goddamn cake? And that's how I was with this movie. Good or bad, it is still inst- it's, it's instilling... Even to this day! Like, this is months ago, and I'm like, son of a bitch! And so, yeah, no, fuck that movie. That's an interesting take. Now, I didn't mind it. I wasn't. It didn't enrage me at all. <laughs> But I, Prometheus levels yeah. of anger it gave me. For me, I was almost indifferent, actually, which to me is the worst kind of reaction. Meh. Yes. Yeah. I need to either go, I love it, or again, if I hate it, at least inspire some emotion. So obviously no. it did with that. So <laughs> hats off to you with that one. So what is your final pick then? I love clowns. <laughs> <laughs> and all varieties, folks. We're not talking scary clowns. We're talking the the naughty clowns, the, the the good clowns, the bad clowns, the clowny clowns, all sorts of clowns. And I was very apprehensive coming into this movie. Come on, get down, Owen. I was very apprehensive coming into this movie because you're remaking something that's near and dear to people's hearts, and I'm talking about it. Um, if, you, if you haven't picked up by now with all the clown references. Um, so when you're doing something like that, especially when you're trying to compare it to the great uh, Tim Curry, it, it's hard to do. That It had a lot of barriers in yeah. and of itself before it hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Because and we were even all like, are they going to do the kid diddling? You know, are the, the, is all this shit, it's had so many things stacked up against it that not only did it shatter the expectations, but it broke all sorts of fucking records for it. This is the film that, yes, really ushered horror into 2017. It, it's a good movie. The acting is great. If people were complaining about the special effects. I personally had no problems except the rock throwing scene. 
Really? The rock throwing scene, it looks so fake. And I don't know why. I, you know what? I love the rock throwing scene, if only because they have anthrax playing over the... over the, the, It's like, I think they're playing antisocial. But it looks and it looks uncanny valley. Yeah. It totally does in the... Ant, but other than a that... A lot of money went into that goddamn Pennywise, okay? We can <laughs> shed a few bucks for these rocks, okay? It's because they're not cylindrical as they would right. be at a rock quarry. <laughs> but other than that, like... It was terrifying, and the cl- and and Pennywise, and I mean it should be noted you are a huge, huge yeah Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. I love Tim Curry. Hi, Georgie, right? I love Tim Curry. I got little Tim Curry figurines everywhere. So fucking, um, I was really like okay, but here's my thing: when Pennywise is being Pennywise, Tim Curry was better. But when Pennywise was doing evil shit. Skarsgård killed it. Where he was just so mirthful in his mayhem and killing. I loved that. That's what I wanted in an evil clown that eats children. I wanted him to I like I wanted him to do what he likes and like what he does. You know what I'm saying? And so Don't and, phone that in. Right? If you're gonna go in for a penny, in for a fucking pound. You're a goddamn evil clown. Have some fun. You know? <laughs> if you can't have fun when you're an evil clown, what's the fucking point? Yeah. So, it's just nothing but a paycheck, man. It's time right? to change careers. Uh, the things I do. The clown only has a painted on smile. You know? Do 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 diddly do 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 do. Right? But <laughs> But <laughs> I think that movie was fan fucking tastic. I saw it twice in the theater. And it was great. We devoted an entire episode to it. And strangely, it's not on my time. Because I don't have the connection with the book or the film originally that you do. So for me, I enjoyed it. I'll definitely see it again when you buy it on Blu-ray. <laughs> but uh, for me, and it's why it's on my honorable mention list, which it's like, why in the hell is it not on my list? It's the one that grossed all the money. But again, it it just didn't, I didn't have the feels to it, the connection to it, but I still liked it a lot. Yeah. So for me, it's definitely on, it, I, and I know a lot of people, it is number one. You know, do you think it would be your, no, because your number one technically My number one is Victor Crowley. Crowley, but it's number two. Is it? Okay. It's a hard two. Okay. I had a feeling that would definitely crack your top three there. Mm-hmm. So my last one, Technically, and again, this one you could probably say it's not a straight-up horror movie, but it's got horror elements, horror themes. Again, was probably one of the best times I had in the theater. Has some Cronenberg-esque body horror going on with it. Has some of the catchiest tunes that you'll see. We talked about the Criterion Edition, but of course, the lure. That's got to be in my top ten. That was... I'm... It's my Blu-ray pick because I right? just watched the Blu-ray. I know, but, I know, it's, but yeah, no... That movie is so. Da, 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 da. If, if if Alison Goldfrapp decided to remake The Little Mermaid with a little bit of Requiem for a Dream, that would be it. It's, it's a great. It's a great. It is so, so good. It's that's the the music is catchy. It doesn't take you out of the film. The horror when it hits is pretty gnarly. There's mm-hmm. some crazy good gore in it. But I think it makes a lot of people... I mean, it, there's some Cronenberg body nastiness in this film. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, things you sh- normally wouldn't see. Two-word combinations that you know... There's, I mean, it's just... Like, this. we had some walkouts mm-hmm. when we saw this one in the theater initially. We did. That's what we kind of did. film this is, which I figure for you, that's the... It <laughs> is. Yeah. But it, it, it wasn't that... 
bad to to for them to get up and be like, oh well, fuck this, I don't want to see, <laughs> you know, I, I it's <laughs> keep your cat away from my fish and your fish away from my cat, basically. Yes, but not with that particular terminology. Exactly, you got to read between the lines, this between the scales, if you will. <laughs> but I had fun with it. It's again seeing the, the this is one I will pick up eventually on Blu-ray because of that Criterion edition. Uh, it's not necessarily horror, but it's definitely horrific. I would count it as a it's it's horror. It's dark fairy tale horror. It's very much a fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, be careful of what you wish for. Yeah. Uh, but I had a lot of fun with. And again, the, all the films that are on my list, I had a great time with. I'm seeking out again. I'm going to pick them up. And that's and again, there's some films out there yeah. that we talked a little bit about. Honorable mentions. One of the films that I saw and I loved, and it's probably my favorite film of the year. And it's strange because again, it has horror elements, but it's so not a horror film. But uh, Del Toro's The Shape of Water. Hmm. I have not seen that yet. It's, it's on my list. It's playing, I think it starts at the 29th at Screenland Armor. Definitely check it out. It's not a horror film. I can't stress it enough. But it's it's one of those ultimate Del Toro monster movies, It's though. a monster movie, yeah. So, you know, the monster's good, the humans are bad, and the pathos is real. And... It's a genuine love story. It's for anyone that's ever been the outsider that when they get that connection with someone, even if it's just on the most fundamental level of loving eggs and just these these unspoken things, it's so good. It's truly it's a beautiful film. Uh, it's, I saw it right before I saw Star Wars for the, first, for the first time, which I think colored my viewing of Star Wars the first time I saw it. But no, to me, this is the movie that Del Toro's been building up to. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful film. I mean, it's truly beautiful. I, I really, really, really want to see but it. But it's not a horror film, so for me, that's why I didn't make my top ten or my initial honorable mentions. I would consider... It's got a monster, and we talked about monsters being supernatural, supernatural being horror. It's a horror film. I'll listen to it. I'll it's listen to it. Film. For me, though, that it's... But it's, it's so, not. It transcends... It really does. Right. And that's what I think. This is where you'll get the the the, the near, I would say the upper crust coming out for this Ew! one. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then again, there are some scenes in there that I think could potentially weird some folks out if they're not used to Del Toro and some of his sensibilities. Is it Lure-esque? There's, yes. There's um, some... They go into the um, anatomical functions ah. of the creature, which ah. is... And it's, it's played Something for laughs. Something I'm kind of curious always about, you know? As Sometimes, is our protagonist. Right. Uh, but it, it plays well. It's beautiful. You do yourself a favor and check it out. Yeah. Well, so, Del Toro stuff is always beautiful. I mean, he's just got a good eye. Even Crimson Peak, you know. If, yeah. A lot of people were expecting something different. And with his films, I think ultimately what you're expecting and what it's he not gives what you, you get. Yeah. Look at Mimic. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you like kids? He doesn't. Nope. He'll kill them. <laughs> but, you know, let us know about uh, what your kind of top tens were. Some films that we didn't mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. Now, going from kind of our top ten horror films of 2017, I also wanted to talk about some of the best experiences that we had, with, be it in the theater, outside the theater, but had to do with horror and genre. Right. And I mentioned that before that we're fortunate enough to host a lot of stuff here in the area between Screenland and Alamo, mm-hmm. and some of the th- just genuinely fun, good times I had were some of the marathons that we hosted this year. Yes. That's that's was one on my list, too. Okay. So, I mean, we initially started everything off with our third Nerdoween, mm-hmm. which we do three horror films over at Screenland Tapcade. Always a good time. They played so well. And 99% of the people never seen the movies that we showed on that one, which was like... 
for us, that's probably the best part uh-huh. of our whole movie night that we do over there. It's kind of the mission statement is to expose people to really good movies. Yeah. But for us, a lot of the, the, these films, they're just, they're in our blood. They're in our DNA. And so when we find people that aren't used to them, it's, there's that initial like. We're like, yes, you're about to see something fucking awesome. It's truly that le- that teachable moment. Like here, we're giving you these, these wonderful gifts that were bestowed upon us back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did all anthologies. So we did. We started everything off with, again, Tales from the. Tales from the Hood. The shit. Uh, we kicked in then to Waxwork. Which is an anthology. Damn right. And then we ended everything off with Creepshow. Uh, the, the granddaddy. And because and we're going to talk about some of the, the icons we lost. But then we we're also the very next night. This is what a, kind of a great weekend it was for Horror and KC at that time. Was at the Alamo. We hosted the Dismember the, the Alamo. Alamo. Four devilish movies. All on 35 millimeter. Mm-hmm. And we opened everything up with probably one of the most epic summoning of the <laughs> devil. Yeah. Before everything kicked off. It was so much fun. We had like fog, fog in the machines, and, and and like weird lighting and candles. The and summoning robes. from the gate. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, but ultimately we saw it was the gate. Mm-hmm. Demons, which was so many people's first time. And then when spoilers, when the helicopter comes out of nowhere and just decimate everybody's like what the f-? you could hear like a what like I purposely <laughs> there when we see films like that that I've seen a bazillion times that have those moments i will always go to the side just so i can watch people's reactions i saw i literally was like what the i mean he mouthed out the words it was so wonderful (laughs) but then we transitioned to i saw the devil which was so good which was 90 percent of everybody's favorite movie that night which i'm shocked but wonderfully surprised by yeah and then we ended everything with race with the devil which probably was one of my favorites of that night it was great because it's it's i think we looking back i think we may have should have started with that one potentially yes, or in the middle it, it it ends abruptly oh my god does it end abruptly yeah to say it ends abruptly is it's hilarious because all of us we're hosting and then we're like oh shit it's over it's well thank you for coming out thank you have a great one and hope you guys had fun but it was so much fun seeing again seeing in those movies with a crowd with so many people seeing it for the first time mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's selfish but again just experiencing that see that shared communal experience that's what i love yeah about all of those things uh hell um you mentioned it was your top film of the year but the Victor Crowley screening. That's one of my absolute favorite memories of this year. And But it, going back, I'm going to add on to your marathon with the Christmas one. Uh, the one we just did. I had so much fun. We did so many toys. Oh, we, my God. We, Thank you all, everyone right? that donated. It, it was unreal. The, the movies played great. And no, again, nobody saw them. Everybody super dug rare exports. Uh, we we show we showed um, started with kiss kiss bang, kiss bang 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 which is a lot of people's first time seeing surprising and, as well yeah and they're like whoa this is great I'm like that's fucking Shane Black I mean come on uh, then we did rare exports and then invasion fucking USA invasion USA played really interesting list I figured it would mm-hmm. in today's current political climate yeah i you know my friend was like this is like a fox news like propaganda film i was like welcome to the 80s man i mean this is why i said i prefaced everything to me this was a horror film we usually end all of our uh holiday movie marathons with the scary movie and for me it truly was when richard lynch (laughs) professional ghoul (laughs) goes into suburbia and just starts blowing away houses with his law (laughs) rocket launcher seeing that as a kid with the red dawn scare already existing (laughs) yeah 
that gave me nightmares. Oops. <laughs> oh my God, that was truly horrific. But no, that was a blast. And we've been fortunate over at Screenland Tapcade. They've been nice enough to let us host these. Yeah. We might be doing more little marathons this year. Perhaps. So check yeah, it out. Yeah, check it yeah. out. Uh, but no, the, um, the Adam Green Victor yes. Crowley screening, again, just in terms of being with a crowd that, number one, everyone was there to have fun to see the movie. And everybody had fun. It, and I know that he's got to say nice things about every crowd. And he's like, you know, Kansas City had one of the great, you know, screen reactions. But, man, everyone had – everyone was there to have fun. Yeah. People were not there to, like, shit on the film. They were not there just, mm, you know, mm, Adam Green. You're blah. Everyone was there because they're j- they, fans. Exactly. It's like, well, uh, huh, in Hatchet 3, when you did someone get fired for that blunder. No, right, everyone no. was there. And then also with Adam Green there. And then the intern, Austin, if you're a fan of the podcast or anything, Aries Scope, I was like, you're Austin. He's like, oh, God. He's like, that's so weird that people know me as Austin, the intern. But they say, don't meet your heroes. But Adam Green was just as genuine and good-natured yeah. that you could expect and hope. And He didn't... stuck around for every single fucking person, no matter how late they stayed. He was there like two extra hours after the movie. He was there three extra hours before doing the... Gave everyone t- individual time to talk yeah. with them. And, you know, we've got some friends, um, Dustin and uh, Chris, Chris, the men behind the, the mask. Mm-hmm. That you know they were able to give him one of their promotions, so it's promoting, but it's also him. You know he's a very much an inspiration for a lot of people. Yeah, and that's what I love about him because even you know I mentioned over at Nerds and Nostalgia, if you go back and listen to the We're Back episode, I talk about how thanks to Adam Green, I was comfortable enough to talk about the fact that I was dealing with depression and all the stuff that I was going through, based on the fact that he talked about the stuff he was going through. So. I am no Adam Green, but he gave me kind of a voice right. and the confidence to do that. And that in and of itself was helpful. So the fact that he was just so genuine and the Q&A was a lot of fun, you know, yeah, hearing him talk about everything that he went through for that film. The fact that they screened this and in today's day and age for that to remain a secret until they did that initial Ex- screening. It was insane. Arwen's fancy dinner. Was it? Yep, yep. It, Good old Aaron. Oh, blue harvesting. He was blue harvesting us. Because he's 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 a fanboy. Yeah. You know, ultimately. <laughs> uh, but no, that was such a good time. I'm glad I was able to experience. Glad I got to. Got, we were able to even just doing a Q&A with him. That in itself was fun. He was a genuine dude, man. He, he was just really cool to meet and just really nice to talk to. And yeah, that was such... An amazingly fun night. And like I said, if you can experience that in the theater, you guys, you really want to. In fact, usually a lot of the films that Joe Lynch and Adam Green do, they're good, fun in the theater experiences. Mm-hmm. So hats off to you guys on that one. Uh, another highlight, and again, we devoted an entire episode to this, but thankfully, bucket list item for you and Dustin. Yep. And my second time. Yep. It was so fucking fun. That This was my highlight of 2017. John Carpenter Live. You guys had a good time at my concert. You guys have fun. Uh, that to me is if you're a horror fan, this is something you, you need to do. It is, it is a bucket list experience. It was if magical. just to see John Carpenter happy. <laughs> the shimmy and the point. And I'm like, check it out. I'm chewing gum. <laughs> the audience interaction. It was so it was so good. Just it was a good crowd. Um, again, go back to our John Carpenter live episode, kind of our thoughts with that. But seeing it with you guys 
was a highlight for me. Yeah. Having that shared experience, being in a stand-up theater with my friends and a sit-down theater when I was by myself. (laughs) Perfect. That was just the ideal situation. So the fact I was able to share that again with you guys and that was the polished stage show that it was and to enjoy those moments and even the DJ beforehand. Killing it. Playing with with the visitor. The visitor and just the disco theme to Friday the 13th 3. It was glorious. It was a good time, man. That whole trip was just perfect it was just like the the whole getting there was so much fun uh the concert the dj before uh the heart of chicago oh yeah yeah. (laughs) it was a nice little getaway yeah it was well deserved so i'm glad i was and again i was glad i was able to experience with you guys as friends uh our friend the blonde in the front katie Mm -hmm. was there as well so cheeseless chicago pizza yeah oh yeah that was a vegan pizza it's probably the find of the weekend actually right there (laughs) and then one final thing uh that i thought was a really good experience and it just occurred a week ago is mondo not only are they putting out vinyl and artwork but they're putting their foot they just put their foot in the boutique board game market yes which is very real and uh, one of the podcasts i listen to get up on this one of the hosts is a big board game fan so he's always talking about these new board games and so i always hear about them how complicated they are it takes like an hour to learn so there's an intimidation factor that goes on with those but man, when they make something so specific, and cre- and they craft something to such a specific film, a film that we love, mm-hmm. but being able to play the Mondo theme out the infestation at Outpost Outpost Thirty One, yeah. Thank you, our friend Abby picked uh-huh. this up, and we were able to play it over at my house. I'm all right. Let me in. I don't. <laughs> I don't have the Beatus. I and there's a limited run of these, so if you have it share it with right. people play it's, it play it it's fun as shit oh my god there were six of us there was you myself abby uh mount baldy our friend dustin uh-huh. our friend adrian uh-huh. and, and his, his wife, wife Amy. and the half we spent probably a good hour i think figuring it out, out. Mm. we watched a video beforehand and we're still confused on some of the the rules it's but it does but it wasn't like Detrimental. Da- no, it wasn't daunting where right. it took me out and I didn't no. want to learn. We were like, fuck it, let's play. We were you gonna... learn by doing. Mm-hmm. But it creates such a... Because there are so many ways you can play the game. Yeah. Because it ultimately comes down to deducing who is the thing and who's a human. Mm-hmm. And the paranoia is real. I like... turned on you quick, dude. <laughs> I turned on you fucking quick. I, I, I was shy to the point where the next day I'm like, dude, I'm sorry I turned on you so bad, man. That I, was... I was okay there, genius. <laughs> Granted, I had a noose behind me. It was no good. It was no good. Everybody's checking for the beatus. They got the petri dishes and the wee, you know, the hot copper. Well, and of course we had the thing score going in the background, mm-hmm. you know, to enhance the mood as you would. Mm-hmm. But it was such a good time. Yeah. And by the time we finished, we kind of figured a lot. We were ready to play again, but it was but it, late. <laughs> yeah, it had already taken like two and a half hours. Yeah. But I highly recommend it. And I think if you're going to be at Panic Fest, we may or may not be playing it on the side there. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. Check it out. Hey, that actually could be an interesting live pod. Like, like almost like a uh, stage show. I'm all right, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But no, those just so uh, for me, the idea with a lot of those was getting out and about. Mm -hmm. So I'm appreciative of, uh, you know, everyone that comes out to any of our live shows that we do. Anyone that comes out to any of the shows that we host. Thank you. Absolutely. Because the more people we have there the more fun it becomes. Mm-hmm. So highly recommend checking, getting out, experiencing thing in the real world. Mm-hmm. 
Now, another thing that I want to make sure that we're throwing out here is thanking every single person that has listened to us, that has retweeted us, that has done anything to promote this silly little podcast and anything (laughs) in Phantom Pod, the Phantom Podcast Network. Especially, I want to give a couple shout outs to uh, Keys Williams. Yes. Keys, you are awesome. We love you. Love you, Keys. Much love. Donna Nelly is another one on Facebook. Yeah. Always giving us a lot of love. So thank you, you guys, for that. Because, again, we don't have a large listenership, and we do this because it's fun. Mm-hmm. But when we have people that we know are listening. Yeah, it, it makes us feel good that you guys dig it. So That is appreciated. Yeah. And then also, just in terms of the the, ti- the changing times here, podcasting is becoming another way that people can reach people. Um, and so I want to shout out a couple of podcasts that I think are doing a phenomenal job. Uh, obviously, the movie Crypt. I don't think necessarily they need promotion, but I, they do technically. And so any you know promotion we put out, but the Movie Crypt podcast is one of my favorites. Uh, the Shockwaves podcast as well is another one that I'm a very big fan of. Now, they are probably kind of what I would put on the, the higher tier. you know. Then there's some of the ones that are a little bit lower. And when I say lower, that is not an insult. I think they're just as good quality. Right. But maybe not to have as large an audience. We're, we're dollar store. Yeah. We're, we're, so we're dollar Tree. These are some of my favorite podcasts that have also, you know, promoted us. We're going to do some cross pollination. But uh, the Cadaver Cast. Is that which one is that with little monster Al, little cool. five year old perspective? That one is adorable. It's frightening. Highly, highly recommended. Love you guys. Uh, the horror business, which is an offshoot of this of Cinepunks, which is another one of my favorites. Um, we've got Justin and Liam killing it over there. Hmm. Black Cat Shadow is another good one. Yes, that uh, you guys really need to check out. And then also um, the Damn Fine Cast mm-hmm. with Tony Giles, which is you know we do the What's the Score segment. Mm-hmm. That this is a podcast they do that kind of stuff every week. And it's so much fun. It's a good time. And then the Corpse Club as well. That's Patrick, Heather, Scott, cool. all those guys. Love that one. And a lot of these, they've got a good audience, but they deserve a bigger audience. You know, they're doing what I think Shockwaves and the movie Crypt are. They're producing really good quality content. They're doing it on a consistent basis. And ultimately, with a lot of these, no one gets paid in podcasting. Like, don't go in expecting money. Right. Don't go in expecting an audience. You need to do it because it's fun. Mm-hmm. But when I hear good podcasts like those out there, and there's a number, the, the Phantom Zone, you know, there's a number of million ones, uh, the Media Rewind podcast. There's a million that I'm not mentioning that deserve a bigger audience, but there's just, there's so many podcasts. It's like with uh, horror. There's, there's just so, so much, many out there. You can't hit them all. But, you know, put a good word out for them because these are people that are taking their time out to provide entertainment. And I, li- I again, I've got a rotation on my podcast, on my weekdays, you know, my Mondays, my Tuesdays, my Wednesdays. And sometimes if I don't have those, it throws me off. So yeah. this is a chance for me to say I appreciate every single one that you guys do now. Well, I, yeah, I don't, a podcast I don't, I don't listen to podcasts at all. I mean, I hardly listen to us. And exactly. The only reason why I do that is just to make sure I don't say anything. I, I shouldn't like, well, I, I shouldn't have Can said you cut that. that one, Greg. <laughs> right. But I have talked to some of these people, the Cinepunks mm-hmm. and the other ones. And they've been guests on the show before. Yeah, and so they're good people. Yeah. And like Phantom Zone, like, yeah, these, even though I don't really necessarily listen to them, I know that I've talked to them and the ones that I have listened to when I'm with you, I enjoy 
good. So, yeah, definitely. They're, they're good people and there's good stuff. So And if you can, I know a lot of people are going to Patreon for that, where you can actually then donate. To, and, again, I am a Patreon donator to the Movie Crypt. I'll admit it. Uh, I love the commentaries they provide. They're a lot of fun. Uh, but if you can Definitely provide to some of these podcasts. They deserve it. Um, even if it's a dollar a month, you guys, not to sound Sally Struthers. In the go- arms <laughs> of the angels. Scientifically proven fact, you can put Sarah McLaughlin under any scenario, and it instantly makes it sad. Like the sad, like the bizarro yakety sad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Much like the theme from The Visitor can enhance anything. She has that opposite effect there. But no, I just go out and support your your local podcasters, if you will, because you know a lot of the times there is effort put into these. We don't, you know, we don't see a dime, and I'll be honest, we probably never will ask yeah. to go into Patreon, right? Because there's other podcasts that are more deserving and honestly that means you want results and extra stuff so right. if you want to support us come out to some of the exactly. shit that we do come and hang out or show us some love on the internet or anything like that we want that that don't cost a dime indeed indeed <laughs> so before we wrap everything up here just kind of final thoughts on 2017 but also what are you looking forward to in 2018 genius i'm actually looking forward to one doing more fun shenanigans and going as out always about. Yeah. as always um hopefully maybe do a few more uh marathons because those are always fun on a bun um and i want to i, I know it's going to sound weird but up my new horror intake that's a, a somewhat of a resolution that I have because there is a. Are you talking more maybe on the indie side of things, more, well, or just more in the, general? In just in general, because you know even why, studio horror. Why still... limit? Why only stick with one at the buffet when you have the whole restaurant to choose from? Taste, taste a little, dab a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, Panic Fest coming up this year again. Yeah, it's uh, be January twenty sixth to twenty eighth at the Screenland Armor. Cool genre films, great short films. There's going to be a pretty big live podcast that's coming in. Stay tuned for that. And again, we're going to be doing our little live podcast. But again, to see the kind of films that we do, to meet new people, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, also, in March, we are going back into the mouth, mouth of March. madness. Yes, and in fact. Much we learned a lot last year doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most notably, meaning just get the episodes done before March. Right. That way you can release it all in the in the month of March. Right. Rather than going into the month of May with all of those episodes. So Oops. it was a fun ride. It was. Uh, uh, but we no. took the scenic tour, scenic route. We're anticipating getting. It's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There should be nine episodes mm-hmm. for all of that, and I think we're going to be able to do them all in the month of March. And uh, we've got several podcasts already confirmed. We're still putting the feelers out for quite a few. But um, obviously, we're going to have people from the Phantom Podcast Network mm-hmm. and maybe some of the people that we just talked about. Hmm. Who knows? You'll have to tune in to find hmm. out. But we guarantee... <laughs> Don't good... forget to drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> but I guarantee a good time. Uh, go back and listen to some of those episodes. Again, it's a chance to really promote some of the other podcasts that are out there. But it's also a chance to just interact with people that... For I listen to a lot, right? And talk and, about cool horror shit. And we've got uh, eight films from 1978, 88, uh, eight films from 98, and 2008. And so, who's going to survive? Uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three was the winner of last year's. 
And we've got it. We I'm not going to spoil anything, but we have another representation from uh, Chuck Russell and Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. in the bracket this time. Uh, but also just that it, the more interviews, uh, cross pollination, anything to promote and enhance other podcasts out there. We're going to have fun, y'all. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, So this episode will be released uh, right before New Year's. So be safe out there, you guys. Because if you're listening to this in 2017, we really want you to be able to listen in 2018. So have a safe one out there, guys. It's, It's dangerous on the hill. Dude, until next year, guys. Uh, This is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. 